For med students and doctors, medicine is a big part of who you are. But it's not all of who you are. Hi, I'm Niza, a medical student from the Philippines. Join me and my friends as we put down our notes and talk about life beyond the books. So hello, friends. Welcome to the second episode of the Beyond the Books podcast. We made it. We made it to the second episode. Thank God. Um, I'm really excited for this episode, as I was with every episode, but this episode especially because we're bringing it a bit closer to home. And home for me is Iloilo. So our speaker, or rather our guest for today, is a friend of mine who is the governor of the Central Philippine University Medical Student Council. He's also the co-founder and president of Team Dugong Bughao, which is an NGO that raises awareness on HIV. And you might see him on Twitter, TikTok. If you're from Iloilo, you know him as a local events host. So without further ado, welcome Jasper Vihar. Hi, so good evening, Niza, and to all the listeners of this podcast, wherever you are, Philippines or beyond. I'm really happy to be here. Um, as Niza said, it's like really putting down the books for a short while and just talk about things that we love to do. So I'm glad and feel honored to be here. <laughs> we scheduled and rescheduled this recording so many times because Jap, um, I forgot to say earlier, but Jap is a third year medical student at Central Philippine University. So mga exams, yung exams namin keep bumping up and other school yeah. up. So finally, we're able to record. Uh, the, the status of our connection. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't match our schedule too because of the power yes. interruption and sometimes because of the rain, we could not yeah. record our podcast. So finally. Yeah. Like yesterday, we said that, oh, okay, we'll record at 8pm on Saturday and then 7pm. Jap, the power is out. We can't. Let's move it to tomorrow. <laughs> okay. But we're here. We made it. We made it. <laughs> okay, Jap. So um, I want to start this episode off with the, like, the story of how we met. Because mm-hmm. you and I have a lot of mutual friends, um, both since both of us are from the Iloilo med student community and even like just being in Iloilo in general it seems like everyone is the friend the cousin the ex-boyfriend the (laughs) whatever of everyone so you are one of those things we are one of those things to each other so we so we had a lot of mutual friends but we only really met at the APMC regional convention of for Visayas in Cebu last year and you were there as the vice governor of the yes. CPU Medical Student Council, but now you are the governor. Who? So, but why? <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? Okay, so you're right, Mizano. Um, to tell all the listeners, yeah, it's it's a common knowledge that here in Ilil, it's a small community, like uh, people know each other. But for Niza and I, I think uh, we just know each other because yun nga, it's like. Uy, you've heard of this uh, of Niza. Uh, yeah, she's my friend. This and that. But officially, oh, wow. we've met. 
we met in in Cebu because she was there for yeah. she was a debater she was in a competition there for the first ever debate <laughs> of uh of medical schools in the Philippines and I was there to you know just be there and to to do my vice governor duties so why I think uh you know niece uh Sigur, we could go back to to time now back in college I would really identify myself as someone who could not just do academics. I, I, I cannot read for like several hours without doing other things, specifically co-curricular activities. I think it's really just in my nature yeah. that I feel comfortable doing other things while studying because it gives me a little push that, oh, you have a tight schedule, you have to fit your study time in doing all these. So I think that's the reason why I accepted the vice governorship because during that time, in CPU, just a little background, before, until this year, we just have appointments for, for the position. So we oh, don't have like okay. a formal election until earlier this year. So now, um, when I was appointed, I gladly said yes because, you know, other than the perks of going to conventions like where we met, it's really something that could hone you to, to become a better medical student because as for our case, we organize events in school that will not just be boxed in, you know, being the smarty pants or being smart in CPC or quiz bees, mm-hmm. but other activities like sports or, or the culture and the art. So I find life in that. And I love doing those things because you, know, you mentioned that I'm an org person. I really love organizing and doing events. So when Nisa and I met in Cebu, to tell you frankly, it's the common friend, um, you know, Sham, Charmaine, she introduced you to me like parang, um, would you um, where are you here? It was are Sham. You... I mean, yeah, she told me na parang, uh, Jap, are, wa, uh, are you gonna be here for a debate? Because Sham knows that I'm, I, I do hosting and etc. Sabi ko, um, but why? Yeah. Ah, those are my friends. I actually um, also thought you were gonna compete in debate. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she mentioned that these are my friends. They will be doing this and that. So, parang she mentioned that uh, that's Niza, um, friend of Jens. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> friend yeah, of Jens. And then, she she's gonna be competing in in debate. I know I no I'm just really here to for vacation. <laughs> I'm just I'm just here for for vacation in Cebu, like uh, meet new friends and do and do my duties to I mean to represent my school. So uh, that time Anisa and I were just um, you know casually uh, you know uh, being ano lang, uh, acquaintances. But then again, yeah. through the course of time, especially during this pandemic where we got to interact online. Yeah. Especially on Twitter, where you know med students, get where you're a personality, <laughs> where we could be ourselves more than other social media platforms, uh, it got easier. And I think during this mm-hmm. time, uh, I realized this that it was easier for us to connect because I think we we yearn for connection because we think that yeah. we're locked in a room. Sometimes it gets suffocating, but having this interaction, and I'm glad to have a friend. In you, I know, and even clerk kana. I mean, in a normal day, let's say no pandemic, wala tayong interaction because you're gonna be in the hospital. But this time, yeah. we're given a chance to to meet each other. So, yun guys, that's the history of how Niza and I met. It's ironic, no? Like we've been talking about how Ilo is so small, taboo. <laughs> like, isn't that weird to you? <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty weird. Like but of all of the think- places for us to meet. But I think you also forgot to tell everyone that before going back here in Ililo, you were in Manila for quite some time, right? For your undergrad. I was, yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think that also kind of mattered because while you're yeah. also UP, Diliman, right? Uh, during your undergrad. Yeah, Diliman. 
I was in Miyagao. So that's also another, you know, Which dimension. is a completely different world. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I think there's that aspect that for the whole four years of my college life, I didn't get to meet you because we're <laughs> in different worlds. So I think med school made us closer together because technically CPU and, and West is just a jeepney away, you know, a jeepney yeah. right away. So I think, I think that's the reason why we're having, we're having this now. So, like you said, this is a really weird time because everyone's online. Everyone's mm-hmm. doing so many things online. But I know that even if everything's online, it seems like you're busier than ever with student council. So, wh- what's going on with, um, with your duties as governor of CPU MSC? Oh, that, that's a good question. Is no? Some also medyo reflect ako. But because I think, <laughs> um, I, find, I find this position as both a blessing and a curse. Um, siguro, uh, let's start with the blessing. Uh, blessing, okay, wait, let's go with the curse first. Because I think in a normal setup wherein there would be no pandemic, med school in itself is very heavy. Plus, you put the governor position um, on top of that. Exactly. Would make, would yeah. make you very <laughs> uh, tired and, no, exhausted. And you're, you're going to be uh, dividing your time for the day to specific tasks. But I find it a blessing because now everything's online. The hard part was the first because you had to adjust to the, you know, virtual world. So the duty basically is just to continue the purpose of having student councils to make the constituents feel that they're still in school, that we have programs that are, you know, for their welfare and to be the liaison to the administration, especially now that we have to settle accounts uh, financially mm-hmm. and um, siguro technicalities when it comes to learning platforms. So there'll be a lot of questions and that's our duty to bridge the uh, students to the administration. But siguro what I could um, add to the blessing part is, you know, I'm a really believer of putting yourself in a position where you're uncomfortable. That's where growth is. I really thought that I would not make it, Niz. It's like, okay, I'm the governor <laughs> now. Um, some people would think, ah, it's, it's a bourgeois position. You're going to just be attending events and you're going to get all Poggy the glory. Poggy. Poggy yeah, Poggy, get all ganon. the certificates. Yes, but I think uh, behind that, uh, you know, stereotype, in medicine, it's a whole different level. I mean, I think any chairperson or governor in all med schools could relate because it entails extra time and effort to, to be in a position. But what I realized is that I actually developed a skill wherein you manage a team virtually. It's a different skill than managing people in real life, like designating tasks and having meetings. Uh, it's a way I could just cite one great example is having meetings. We have meetings this every week, every Friday. That's a Friday habit for the council to have a Friday meeting. How I long think do the, the meetings last? Um, roughly two to three hours. So it's like oh my God. Our, our Friday night sessions before that would uh, go to drinking or social, I mean, ha- socializing would go to meetings now because technically we could not go out. So I realized that if this was a non-pandemic setup, I think no one would really attend meetings. Like Friday nights, seriously, yeah. no one would really dare to stay. Even if they still respect me or have uh, or value 
job in the council, I think it would be hard to gather everyone because you could just make a lot of excuses. Family time, church, I think I'm gonna study, you know, med school. So I'm tired. I'm tired and it's valid. I cannot, I valid. cannot say no to that. So I think that's what I'm really grateful for. So Yun, that's how it's going for me as a governor. Um, so far, I'm alive. Um, as you can see, I still have um, eyes, but eye bags are all over. But I think um, I thrive in that in that setup. And I think um, I'm excited for the challenges up ahead because I think that's where growth is. And it's my last year, Niz, in medical school. I mean, before clerkship. So I think uh, this is also a best way for me to, you know, be a Jap. Because Jap is not someone who just studies. It's really hard for me to do that. So I think this is an avenue for me to be just myself. Because when clerkship comes, I think you know what it means, right? But then, is clerkship for you next year really going to be how we traditionally think of clerkship? I mean, with the way things are going, do you really think that's um, going to happen? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good question. Actually, for right? me, um, I have, I have uh, doubts, but I think what I'm doing now is just making, being in the moment, you know, just enjoying what it is now because there might be a chance that it would go back to the traditional clerkship setup. And I always feared, Kasin, is the idea of not doing the things you love because of, our, <laughs> of the needs to, to achieve that MD dream. And it's not normal mm-hmm. to let go of those wants for a while because you need that. And yeah. maybe go back after when you become a full-fledged doctor. But, you know, a year of that. So I think right now what I'm doing is I'm spoiling myself to the things that I could still do mm-hmm. while in med school, enjoying everything that I can. So being a governor is part of that. So luckily for me, I enjoyed responsibility. So, um, so that I'm here. I'm here. I'm enjoying it. So to whoever listening right now, it's a case-to-case uh, scenario. It doesn't fit for everyone but if the shoe fits congratulations you can contact me and ask for advice <laughs> but just don't send Jap those other things <laughs> that he asked for on Twitter no I deleted we'll that news. I, I we'll deleted get to that. that okay we'll get to that we'll get to that we'll get to that but actually that's one of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to you because this whole podcast is about just proving that you know like I, like, like I said in the intro, med's a big part of who you are, but don't let it take over your life. Because if it, you let it take over your life, it's not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy yeah. at all. I agree with you there, Niz. I'm, 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 I'm that. I'm the personification of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but I get what you mean about how um, you can't just study. Because if, you, if all of your time is the studying you need the pressure like you need the time pressure na oh I have to finish studying because I have well for me it's I have this article to write or I have this other like I have this other event I have to host Mm. or training I have to go to or something like that so yeah that's that's really because why I, I don't think. I think Niz, uh, I think we just have to make, uh, make it clear, no, to everyone who would be listening to this podcast that I think um, the stereotype about med school is that they expect everyone to study, and I think there's nothing wrong about that. There would be people who thrive in competition, like they they see they get motivated by seeing their grades or the performance yeah. of their of others. Like, wow, I'm I'm just a mediocre med student, and others are really thriving and doing good, so I must cut catch up. 
but it's not always like that for everyone because like for someone like yeah. me i consider myself as an average mediocre intelligent med student you know when it comes to academic part i don't really compete to be on top i just want to pass and that's mm-hmm. good for me so i think um the issue there is that if i just keep on studying it could really entail a lot of uh, emotional draining because i think yeah. that it's You know, there was a time that this very room, which is my apartment, felt like a prison because I felt like I had to just go to school, have meals, go back here and study. There was a time where yeah. um, I had a lot of subjects to to cater on my plate because that was second year, so you know how it feels. So um, there, I realized that I could not really stand just being in the same room studying for hours and hours. But for others who think that works, it's fine. That's your yeah. that's you, and I think um, you should be proud of that too. Like you do you, but I can't do that. Yes. Parang <laughs> you do you. Good for you. I will. I will cheer you on. But that's yes. just that's just we're, not me. We're that kind of classmates, right? Like, um, yeah. if Others are doing so good. Fine. Congratulations. Um, but really, I cannot. I cannot stand how others study. Yeah. Uh, like some of my classmates wake up. Let's say after arriving in school, they would sleep and wake up at around 12 midnight, and then they must study na sila hanggang morning till the next class. It was like. Hello. How? I can't. No, no, can't. it's not me. So, so yun. So I think we should not put standards to medical school. We should have our own rhythm because when you just uh, pattern yourself to others, it would be futile to you know. At some point, you'd feel uh, that you're not yourself anymore, and it's hard yeah. because med school is should be something yours, not other streams. So yeah, that's that's for me. You said something really interesting. Nah, you think that you're an average student for just mm. like you, your goal is just to pass. But honestly, mm-hmm. one of the things that I realized in first year palang was that passing is such a high goal already. Sometimes, <laughs> 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 like when you get there, you're like, oh, the the minimum passing level or the MPL is like sixty percent. Ah, that's so low for college. In college, I got like. Like I'd be sad with a 90 or with an 85, and then you get your first exam back, and you're like, "What?" Oh my God, Niz! I think Did you have also, those moments? It, I think there's. Uh, I think that's one difference for the both of us because you, you, when you were in college, I think you're an A student. I think uh, that's that's what I know about you. Um, comparing to me, when when I entered UP in first year, everyone was really giddy to have that college scholar, to have an honorific award, like to graduate cum laude and become a doctor. Yeah. Wala. I was like really living my life in college. I would I would go to school drunk. I would go to school um, half awake and not studying at all. I could not remember myself back in college reading two days ahead. It would always be a night before the exam. Or hours before yeah. the exam, and I would remember myself with one subject. I was the only one who had removal exam. That's how carefree I was, and um, that's why uh, I really had to have a gap year, gap gap years to to find myself. Because I think deep down, I really wanted to become a doctor. I just wanted to find that reason, which I think we would talk about later. But then again, it was really hard for me to. You know, just go with the flow. That all my batchmates are going to med school, applying med school, studying for NMAT, acing NMAT, and there was just me, who just wanted to graduate. And I think that that goal was enough because in the Philippines, it's a general goal to just graduate in college, and that's good yeah. enough. Yeah. <clears throat> so even getting into college at all. 
Exactly. So I just wanted yeah. to to achieve that because um, my parents are kind of traditional, and it's good for them to just have a college degree. That's something they could really be proud of. But med school, it did not get to me until I found my why, which we will discuss later. And I think um, that's the issue with me. I mean, that's a good thing about me because when I met when I got into med school, failing was not an issue. I really, I think I was like. Uh, It was ah oh, fail okay, on to the next exam. So that first year, I kind of felt bad because I would see classmates who would actually perform very well, not technically high, but you know just the minimum, and still cry mm-hmm. with the results. And I was like, "Oi, wag ka na malungkot, bagsak nga ako, okay tamon niyak ba ako?" But yeah, it it might sound invalidating, but I was I realized. I think this is just me, and I hope people would see goodness in this kind of mindset. That um, failing an exam isn't everything, and there would be a lot of areas you could improve on. So that's why I said, Kanina, that I was just, um, you know, reaching the bare minimum of passing. Because you know, some people would say, "Don't settle for medio- mediocrity." Like, okay, uh, you have to achieve the best optimum level that you can, as long as you push for it. But then again, in med school, as much as I try, I mean, trust me, I'm trying. I read books. I don't read books in college. I would always tell my friends, you know what? If the habit I have now in med school applies to college, but right yeah. now, I I think I'm doing so much that is expected from me, and I think that's good enough because that's my standards. And I think um, by knowing your standard, it's good enough. So Yun, I think. As much as you, siguro it depends, ano, kung ano yung really goal mo. It's a case-to-case uh, uh, scenario. Because for me, passing is my goal. So if you're a med student and you think that being the top 10% of your batch is an achievement, go for it. We'll support. Yeah. You. So let's support each other. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're just gonna hang out and record our podcast. Uh, oh yeah, and it's a Sunday, Nisa. Tomorrow I have an exam. But yeah, I told you before going into this podcast. It's a Sunday. I, I studied for hours so that I could enjoy this uh, podcast that we're doing. <laughs> I was on Netflix for like <laughs> I won't know how many hours I was on Netflix. <laughs> you mentioned that you went to college in UP Visayas, Miagao, but I don't think you mentioned that you were uh, BS Public Health. Oh yes, BS Public Health graduates from UP Visayas are actually very well known nationwide for for your yearly. Submissions to the Unilab Ideas Positive Contest. Yes, which for you is a very special contest because it eventually snowballed into what is now Team Dugong Bughao, which is yes. an HIV awareness uh, project organization throughout Iloilo and Western Visayas. So, do you want to tell us, tell our listeners, what is Team Dugong Bughao? Okay, that's uh, that's something that's very really close to my heart. So I would lo- lovely. I mean, I would love to talk about that. So, Goro, we could uh, backtrack a little about my choices in college. When I was in high school, okay. Niz, I really did not know what to take up in college because, like, I'm the kind of classmate that would just really go with the flow. So everyone was talking about, let's go um, medical field, uh, BS bio, uh, public health. Then there was part of me thinking that I'm. Pretty good in math, so I said I also want to go to engineering. So what I did is was I applied for UP. Half of my courses are engineering courses, and the half are medical related courses. And I just made it. Uh, I made a pact to myself that whatever my brain would give me, because I'm taking the exams, whatever results would be, that would I would I would pursue that. 
because I have a brother who is an engineer and two siblings that are nurses. So parang I wanted to, you know, just give this moment to the fates. <laughs> so when the results came back, I passed BS in public health. So yay, but not so yay because, you know, it's not really what I really, really want because I didn't know what I wanted. So to tell you honestly, first year in UP Visayas, I had thoughts of shifting to Diliman. So, siguro nag-meet pa tayo, mm. ano, if I so, did. I <laughs> know, um, the fates did not align uh, for us yes. yet. So, I wanted to shift to metallurgical engineering because I was really interested in um, earth science back in high school. But, you mm. know, my best friend, Angelo, also my co-founder in Team Dungabugao, really said a lot of things that made me, you know, stay. Siguro ito na lang, napaka-petty. But you know what she, what she said to me? Jap, so lilipat ka ng diliman, no? So number one, wala nang gigising sa'yo. Second, <laughs> wala ka nang pagkukopyahan ng homework. Third, wala nang papainlist sa'yo. And all those things, I realized, wow, I'm gonna start from scratch. So I said, okay, I will not pass these forms and just continue with second semester. And second mm-hmm. semester was the time I fell in love with public health. That was when I realized that Thank you for bringing me here, right here and right now, this moment. That was our island health exposure. So we went to Guimaras, and that was the first time that we got to interact with the community, island community. And it was a simple event, Niz. It was more of an exposure. We were just there to talk about their community, the structure. So this is your island. These are your resources. These are uh, your avenues to improve. You could put uh, economic, health. Uh, you could marry all these things to make sure that you have a thriving community. That's when my heart really felt that I belong here. I like, I like community. I like people. I like making people realize their potential. So, You're a people person. Yes. So that's when I really wanted to become a public health practitioner. Not a doctor yet. It's a different story. So fast forward four year, uh, three years uh, into public health. Yes, we are kind of required to, to pass an entry to Ideas Positive, uh, that's a premier youth uh, competition on health, wherein you get to find a health problem in a community and have a solution, sorry, you have a solution to that problem and you're given funding that would entail you to do project that same project for six months. So, yeah. So since it's a requirement, we were divided in the class, no? So, mm-hmm. okay, these are your groups. One, two, three. All of you should pass. So, technically, it's not under your hands now if you get accepted because it's a competition. So, you would not mm-hmm. know talaga if, if, if you would push through. So, that, uh, for purpose of compliance, the first project we sent in is, was about maternal health. Mm-hmm. So, because in, in Megao, there is still a community that practices home births. And it's, uh, you know, it's dangerous to have those because it would entail maternal and uh, fetal, you know, comorbidities that, uh, or, or mortalities that would be very dangerous for both the mother and the child. So, yeah, interesting. I had an interesting solution to that. But my heart wasn't there because it's like a, a school requirement. So what I yeah. did, the last night of the submission deadline, I called my friends like, uh, I think we're not going to get in with that maternal health project. Though I really love, uh, you know, making changes in the community, making their health problems, you know, bearable. I think it's not what I really want to work on. So my friends and I, that night, looked into the internet mm-hmm. about, you know, the problems of Ilila City. And the first thing that came to the news 
was the HIV and AIDS cases in Iloilo City. And it's getting higher. That time is, that was the year 2015. Yeah. <clears throat> we are fourth in the whole country, uh, uh, the regions of the country with the highest number of cases of HIV. And then what we notice is that the age that um, the HIV cases are getting bigger is for age 15, 24. And that's our age. So yeah. I said, why don't we focus on this? Because we don't talk about this. Like even if, okay, UP, UP is very known to be very um, liberated. You get to talk about mm-hmm. a lot of things and it's, co- it's fine. It's cool. But I realized that- UP that- is a very small echo chamber. It's a yes. very, very small echo chamber. So uh, that time is, I was like, and we're actually part of the problem. Like we laugh about sex jokes. We kind of talk about people having sex because it's, it's still a taboo in the Philippines, right? We don't talk about sex over dinner or with our family. We usually learn about it somewhere else. And we realized even in college, we don't have like a comprehensive sex education because we think mm-hmm. that our health classes back in high school provided everything when in mm-hmm. fact it didn't. So it's like, mm-hmm. a, okay, uh, we move past that because we're done with it in high school, so we don't talk about it. That's when we realized there we have a problem. We don't talk about the issue. We're afraid to talk about the issue. Yet, it's the ha- it's one of the we are the gold medalist in Southeast Asia with teenage pregnancy and HIV and AIDS. So that night we said, let's make a project out of it. Let's make use of the hundred thousand seed money to make a change through that. So two hours before the deadline, we created the proposal, and since then it's called Team Dugumbughao. Uh, that's the really the first, and not change through the years. Let's let's uh, name something a team that would relate to blood. So, okay, blue blood, uh, uh, you know, Dugumbughao is uh, connotated as rich blood, but we define it to something pure and uh, something not, um, not el- elitist because we want to include mm-hmm. everyone. So when we passed this, it was just, you know, wanting to create a change. And fast forward, we were accepted at the national finals. And then we worked for a whole Wait, six months. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. National yeah. finals, when was this? 2016? 2015. 20, uh, uh, 2016. 2016. Was this the year na our mutual friend Jen also attended? But yes. in the audience. I was yes. there. We could have met. I was there. Really? I was there. I presented a paper on miscarriage, on maternal health, actually, ironically. See? See? <laughs> I think we're more connected than we think we, we, we are now. <laughs> That's so weird. Okay, yeah, sorry to stop your story. Yeah, so that was the first ever pu- uh, youth forum on public health. Mm-hmm. So you were there. Oh, this is crazy. We could have. So, I met Jen on that. I mean, like, I, I ran into Jen. I talked to her for a while. And then I think she was like, oh, I'm with my friends who are presenting their project. And I'm like, oh, okay, yes. that's nice. And then because, I went because to present was, my paper. Because Jen was also part of the working committee. So since we just have five people in the team, we brought in Jen and another uh, med student, actually now, Naga Clerk uh, PGI, Sikuya Kimbo. Uh, so technically, we have seven people working in the team. And then that night was the final night. So to make the long story mm. short, since it's a competition, is there would be winners, right? So, and in every yeah. competition that we're you know, being thrown at, I think it's our nature to do our best and to try to reach that goal of winning. I mean, like, who wouldn't want to win, right? Mm-hmm. But to make the long story short, you're not even part of the top five. Um, okay. 
to tell you honestly, uh, it was it was sad to to have worked so hard for six months and 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 the judges didn't see how impactful the project was. So at for a time, mm-hmm. it uh, demotivated us that even if we did all 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 the all these and have reached many youth in Iloilo City. We didn't get to to present our our project to the judges because one of the judges was Nicola Cosme. He's um, a founder of also uh, Red Whistle. It's an HIV and AIDS org in in Manila, and it was always a dream for for us to pitch to someone who is doing a, an umbrella HIV and AIDS awareness program in Manila. So not given the chance was heartbreaking. To make the long story, we went home to Iloilo. Um, Happy because the winner was also from UP Visayas, but then for our project, it's sad that we didn't get to at least present to to a bigger audience. That's when the conversation came to: Do we stop or do we continue? So, when we talked about it, we were graduating in UP Visayas, and all of us, just to inform our listeners, we're not all medical field. We have a member, mm-hmm. uh, Abigail Amon, my co-founder. She is um, Abby. Yes, you know Abby. <laughs> She's a communications and media studies. So Team Dogobukhao brand is also about involving everyone, the general youth. It's not about just in the medical field. And HIV advocacy is not just for those who are in the medical field. It could be for anyone because the virus doesn't choose anyone. I mean, doesn't choose a specific group. It, it can affect anyone. So when we talked about it, <laughs> Alexis was going to med school. Um, Giza and Abigail were still in college and Angela and I would be working in DOH. So how do we continue this? Do we stop or do we continue? That's when we talked about the fact that we already made a dent in the, in the health system by making sure that the youth is heard and to be represented in big organizational meetings. And uh, I think that's more than enough reward to continue. So that's when we decided to continue Team Dugumbukao as an organization. So we made it to a point to be an SEC registered organization to continue what we do. So now it's already our five, uh, fifth year anniversary since 2015, and we still have an ongoing, uh, ongoing projects, and we have members growing until now, because we believe that um, an advocacy is 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 sustainable when you have people who have the same mindset with you, and that missed opportunity to present into a bigger crowd was repaid because on the year after that, we were awarded as an accomplished youth organization of the Philippines. And that's when we, we thought to ourselves, I think um, it was a matter of just telling our story, telling the story of Iloilo City, of the Ilongo youth that um, would make them see the impact of, of what we've done in Team Nogobugao. So that's where my heart is right now to to creating more advocates, not just when it comes to HIV and AIDS, but technically any health and advocacy, since we are in the medical field, I think it's good to involve people in the conversation, most especially in this taboo issue like HIV mm-hmm. and sex, because, you know, uh, Philippines, we're so behind on that, and I think we should do something about it. <clears throat> Nasenti, yeah, that's a really... <laughs> Nasenti. <laughs> that's a really nice uh, lesson to, to, to make, because I think a lot of us, whenever we go through failure, and especially for you, like it's really a big deal. Like you're presenting to someone who you really admire, and it didn't work out the way you did initially. But now look at how successful Team Dugong Bughao is. So I think that's a nice message to the listeners that, you know, failure is failure is failure only if you let it be. It can be a stepping point, and it can be 
an opportunity for growth and for improvement. So, and Team Dugong Bughao is a perfect example of that. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Niz, for reminding me that. Looking back, it was really like a petty thing to feel bad because, you know, I'm not the person who would suck in, in, in defeat because growing up, I would join competitions and place second to the last and, you know, singing contests and placing 24th out of 25. And it didn't even make me feel bad. So all of a sudden, it was more of like tired and I felt unappreciated. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it was, you know, judges are, are there to assess and they just um, take presentations and face value report. So I think it was more of like also how we presented it through paper that, uh, uh, you know, didn't go well. But I think, yeah, I think the moral lesson there is just to keep on striving and to use that failure to, to propel yourself back. And I hope the listeners would take uh, inspiration from this because in life, it's not always a win-win situation. There will be times that you're going to be failing. And I think you have to accept that life isn't just a walk in the park. And if you start accepting that, life might be just kinder to you. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> I think that med students in general, we really need to, like, accept that, you know, sometimes you're going to not do as well as you wish you did. <laughs> but at least you tried. Like, yes. your heart is there. If your heart is there, it's going to... Like it's gonna manifest itself in bigger, in bigger and better ways eventually if you just keep trying. Yes, I agree with you on that, Miss. You mentioned something very interesting about what um, <laughs> about talking <clears throat> about about talking about like sex and like sexual awareness, mm. which for a lot for you, um, you're very vocal. I would say that you're a Twitter personality. <laughs> uh, you're very vocal. <clears throat> You're very vocal about um, not just sex, like sex and relationships, practicing safe sex. And I've also noticed that the Team Dugong Bughao um, Twitter account is also very vocal about that online, uh, trying to destigmatize us talking about sex. And you've actually gotten a lot of like pretty explicit questions <laughs> on, your, on your Curious Cat account. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, oh okay. Is Jap going to answer Jap answer that question? Okay. So, like, how do you feel when people ask you these very, like, okay, so when you get these questions, what runs through your mind first? And how do you, how do you deal with them? Okay, so first, I think we have to inform our podcast listeners that the Curious Cat account is, is a platform where you could ask anonymous questions and the author could answer it um, any time of the day. So as or for they me, I have, might not want to answer. Uh, yes, or might not want to answer. You have the choice. So as for me, Ness, I have two personalities in Curious Cat. One is uh, sober Jap and the other is the drunk Jap. So if you would see me answering very explicit questions like at 1 a.m., it means that I'm, I'm drunk. But most of the time, if I answered like beyond before 12 o'clock, it's, it's a sober Jap. But nevertheless, I would be willing to answer questions that are very explicit. So how do I feel... Um, Honestly, it was at first, um, I felt uncomfortable because I think uh, those things, I, I still, while I think that I'm pretty public, I still consider myself private. That's ironic, but I, I feel that way, that I think that mm -hmm. um, being in a social media platform is still about showcasing another side of you. It doesn't define who you are. Whatever you mm -hmm. post online isn't equivalent to who you are in real life. Yeah. So it's like me, you're curating. If like if yes. we're talking about Instagram, it's like 
the parts of you that you want to show the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, what's different on Twitter is that at some point, it could also, you know, allow your ego to come out, like, without holding bars. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care how people have look, look at me. But then again, that rule still applies, that whatever you see on social media or you post on social media doesn't define totally who you are. But Siguro, in my case, I'm just taking advantage of that platform where people are free talking or, or they're more of like freedom in Twitter compared to other social media accounts when it comes to voicing out opinions. So Curious Cat account, having one, is a good platform to actually address these questions. So some might be very personal, like how, let's say, um, in my case, you know, how do I view sex or the experiences? But there would be questions as well about their own sexual experiences that they would like to have advice, I mean, ask me for advices for that. So I find it um, at firstness uncomfortable answering those questions because I think um, that's a personal space you have to cross. But then again, I also realized that you have a Curious Cat account. You allowed yourself to be in that situation. So better, I mean, you, you decide on what you want to, to, to do. At the end of the day, you could also not answer those questions. But um, you see me answering these explicit questions. And I think that's normally fine. It's like uh, for... Uh, normally we, fine? I mean, uh, for me, ha, I mean, since I'm an HIV advocate, and I think um, when you say advocacy, it is defined as something that you're publicly uh, rallying for. So mm-hmm. I could not just talk about HIV and not talk about sex. I think it would be counterproductive to not talk about sex then you're an HIV advocate. So <clears throat> questions like, um, siguro, no, um, in our standard, like, for example, are you in for threesome? Or let's say... I saw that one. Have, I saw have you, that. Have you had um, public sex? Or let's say, um, have you had um, fantasies about your teachers? Those questions. If, if that was me, like, seven to ten years ago, I would feel like, Mama, take me home. I don't want to <laughs> be here. But since uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a mature person and I've been exposed to communities and siguro um, progress with other countries that I think they address their HIV and AIDS cases because they mainstream sex and condom use. That's when I decided to talk about it. And I think it's a good practice that we put it out there because it's an avenue for us to, to teach and educate. So yeah, at some point I play around it. I, 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 I give answers that sometimes are not truthfully, you know, uh, wasn't, they're not, truthful all the time sometimes they're just there to for the comic relief you know give answers that would make the timeline feel good not all the negativities around it so take for example yeah the the one you mentioned like a few days back it was just um i was so stressed in school i just tweeted something like uh because it's uh it's like um a trend you know like like sand nudes because like it's a it's a common joke about um if you have a partner like uh it's like normalizing the sending news, but it doesn't go for everyone. It's 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 it's, it's still about consent consent to yeah. <clears throat> to a couple. So I tweeted like um, send nudes. I'm about to fail my exam this morning with a lot of emoji. Ha ha ha. The next day when I woke up, this it's like three hundred plus likes and then a certain number of retweets. And there there are a lot of comments like check your DM. But actually, good thing my DM account is. <laughs> Is Anusha, it's locked. So you could not randomly DM me if you're not, we're not mutuals on Twitter. So I was so relieved to, to know that because honestly, 
I didn't wish people to send me their nudes. It was more of like, you know, a, a trend to just, you know, put it out there like uh, for the comic relief, as I said. Now, what creeped me out, which supposedly hindi naman dapat, was after 12 hours, there were people commenting their nudes on my, on my, on my, that thread, of that uh, same thread. So I was like, what? Oh, I no. didn't see that. Uh, Thank God I didn't because see Because I that. deleted it already. So I deleted it for the reason that I think um, <laughs> I have also um, mga upper class gagapalos ako and might see me differently. But honestly, I don't care. But it was more of like, uh, I felt uncomfortable. I think it's okay to put limits and boundaries to, to where you could uh, be yourself and um, to, to be uh, open. So I think when I deleted it, I felt, Hello, people talaga are taking things seriously on Twitter. But then again, no regrets. It was a fun run. It was a realization that people actually have freedom on Twitter and they could do whatever they want as long as they feel good about it and it's consensual that they, they do that. So moral lesson on Twitter is that it's good that we have a platform that we could talk about sex and we could talk about um, these things because these things should be normalized because it's a normal human physiology to experience that. And if you don't talk about it at home, for sure, there would be other places that you would learn this from. And sometimes it could be dangerous because the guidance that we could actually receive from people who really care for us regarding that matter would be brushed aside and it's, it's dangerous. So as for myself, now that I'm in a platform that could actually be put could be put into good use. I just take advantage of that opportunity is to, to just be out there and talk about it. And I think um, it's pretty, I don't know, man, um, it's pretty coinciding with my branding as an HIV and AIDS ad, uh, awareness advocate. And it's not too kalat pa naman. Uh, you know, sometimes mga around 3 a.m. I do, but I delete tweets as well. But it still goes back to coping. In a pandemic, there are a lot of things that, you know, keep us in the dark. But Twitter, sometimes, if you use it into, if put it into good use, could also give you a sense of relief sometimes. So I think people should just take these tweets um, at face value. I hope people would just uh, see opinions as ours as an individual. And it does not reflect the institution that we were part in or groups that mm-hmm. we get uh, affiliated with. Because at the end of the day, um, it's still responsibility what you put out there. But I think what we should instill to everyone is that we're entitled to our own opinions. And I think we should, before we judge someone based on a tweet, we should know where they're coming from or just better yet, don't judge anyone at all. Because I think um, when you don't know the full story, it's, it's going to be uh, dangerous to just jump into conclusions. No? So... But it's sports, yun, ano, jumping to conclusion. So, yun, so, um, yun, that's, oh, well. how, that's how Twitter life is for me. Um, and I enjoy the life of uh, being in Twitter because that's the, that's the study break that most people enjoy nowadays because there are a lot of vloggers and content creators that, uh, you know, give us some relief on Twitter. But, yun, about sex, that's the story of my curious cat and how I answer to explicit questions that. Just to remind the public, no, and listening to Nisa's podcast is fine with me. Um, you could also slide into my DMs if you want some advices on experiences. But you know, talking about this is still not a consent for me to be sexualized. That um, it's an open ground for everyone to 
cross that boundary and send me random nudes uh, because I think that's um, still up to me to decide. But then again, I'm a cool guy. Um, as long as we could talk about it and um, I'm up for it, I think we're good. I think uh, I could still uh, answer those quote-unquote explicit questions that need to be normalized in the Philippines. Yeah, that's you made me. a really good point <clears throat> about like um, when people replied to you with their nudes. Um, you made a really good point about like, okay, good for them that they have like, they're very secure with themselves and with their bodies that they're able to put that out there into the world. And I think that that's something that honestly, it's something that I'm really, I wish I had more of that. <laughs> I don't know if I ever reach a point in my life where I'm that comfortable with my body to be able to put that out there into the world. And I feel like that feeling of, like that idea of being comfortable with your body, no matter how it looks, um, is something that we should try to push for more. Like that's something that should be part of the conversation when we talk about sex positivity. Like body positivity is also something that has to go into that. I think, Niz, I just have to add, no, other than the fact that, yes, we should have the body positivity and being confident with um, who we are, regardless of our, you know, flaws, like how we see ourselves. Um, I just don't want to demonize the alter world. I mean, just yeah. because they're sending nudes. So, Siguro, I could shed light to that by, uh, in the context of the HIV and AIDS awareness, um, an organization that I, we partner with, Tindugumbughao, uses Twitter alter outer Twitter to actually trace people who are um, organizing orgies, per se. Um, and then chats with them and make sure that they know their location to provide protective, uh, let's say, condoms and lubes for them to enjoy sex in the context of it being safe. Other than that, we have people living with HIV who have accounts in Twitter since they're anonymous the Twitter alter also shows an environment we're in. It's not just about sex. It's a community we're in. They actually support each other because there's this thread that I've seen. Someone disclosed his HIV status on Twitter. And most of the people commenting good uh, you know, uh, messages of hope are from the alter community. So it's not, I think it's really just the mindset of a traditional Filipino being religious. And I think it, it goes back to, uh, it goes back, it's, about our roots, that we are generally religious and these things are deemed to be immoral. But I think we should not just um, take it as that because the numbers say otherwise. We have yeah. an increasing trend on teenage pregnancy and HIV and AIDS. And there's only one way to, to get that. In that. I mean, not only way, but the majority, let's say pregnancy is you know, sex and HIV and AIDS other than, I mean, above all the methods, it's also sex that contributes to it a lot. So before we think about immorality, I think we should focus more on being moral to attend to these people who are actually in danger in the aspect of health. Like teenage pregnancy, not everyone is capable of giving birth at a young age. Not all people who are living with HIV has access, you know, to, to treatment. So if we think at it like that, by being human, we could actually come to a realization that we should stop demonizing people who are sexually positive, 
those who are confident about being naked in public or let's say who are confident in wearing skimpy attires and those things are still not invitation to them being sexualized so i think our generation is doing a good job this i'm really proud of that that we could mainstream conversations like this like especially in this podcast per se i mean i know there'll be a lot of people listening and i think it's good that um to if ever we have international listeners that they would actually have representation of people in the philippines who are willing to talk about sex despite the whole country being against you know um rh bill and mm-hmm. other other very relevant health policies that are shut down before it gets passed into a law so i think it's more about mainstreaming and i think our generation is doing a great job on that another thing that i think we have to talk about when talking about like sex positivity and um the privilege of being able to be vocal is that I don't think we can separate it from the fact that we live in a very patriarchal, misogynistic yes, society. Yes. And actually, sometimes when you, when I, whenever I see you, not just you, but like other people from Team Team Dugong Bugao tweet um, about like talk about sex online, I'm like, um, there's. I have to admit, there's this big part of me that also wants to contribute to the conversation because I also believe in sex as a health issue, but. I have to admit, there's a very, very big part of me that feels that how um, how is this going to affect my professional life, especially as a woman? Because I uh, feel yes. that um, correct me if wrong or if you think different, or tell me if you think differently. But there seems to be a double standard when male healthcare professionals talk about sex online versus when female healthcare professionals talk about sex online. I don't know if you know about this, but then there was this big issue in the international medical community about female doctors shouldn't be posting their bikinis, themselves in yes. bikinis online. And then, but then there was no drama about men showing their eight-pack yeah. or six-pack <laughs> on Instagram, which, is, which really pops up on my feed a lot. So, like, what do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think, yes. I have to agree on that um, statement. Because um, part of Team Dugong Bugao branding is, if you actually dig deeper, the founders are mostly women. Out of the five of us, three are women and two are men. That's also in the context that we would want to... Okay, in my opinion, through the years, HIV and AIDS was an issue for homosexuals. They think that this is just a gay disease. So before we go to sex in general, wherein female seems to be not, you know, in the position to talk about it, the HIV and AIDS conversation, we want to brand it as everyone's issue, not just those who are homosexual per se. So we want also to bring that into the table that women could also talk about this because women could also contract the virus. Per se, um, right now, the image of HIV and AIDS awareness in the country, they use someone who got the uh, HIV from her husband who happens to be a, a seafarer. So she's a woman. So she's now the face of the HIV advocacy because to show everyone that women also get affected. So among our members, the NISNO, uh, contrary to your experience, because I think they, they have grown into the advocacy, they feel that they're compelled to, to, to talk about it because that's the culture that we, we create in Team Dugumbukau. But I think what you said is really valid. And I, I see that because 
the patriarchal society that we are in gives us the idea that women um, should have a Maria Clara, you know, appearance. They, they should be um, well-groomed, uh, mahinhin. They should be reserved should and be fully, fully clothed. Yes. But um, the irony is, um, uh, during the time when Maria Clara was introduced in our country, we were colonized by the Spaniards. And during that time, Spaniards did a lot of, sorry, evil things as well to our country that um, are way, way immoral. So I think um, it's just um, ironic that we talk about women having that need to be in a Maria Clara behavior and not talk about these things because they, they are, these are immoral. But I have to agree with you that women have, uh, have struggles when it comes to sex positivity because they're more easy target than men. Like per se, um, let's take for, uh, let's take that artista viral picture na si Cyril Manabat. If, if people uh, don't know about her, she's, uh, she's a celebrity who happens to be a child star. And now, um, since she's in puberty, her, her breasts became big. And she just posted a t-shirt. Nez, a normal she's picture. Wearing, she's just wearing picture, a shirt. Wearing a shirt. And then she was extremely sexualized and was, you know, um, it's like a witch hunt on Twitter. Like, why are, you, why are you showing off? And why are you doing this and that? So those scenarios, no, Nez, are actually discouraging for women to just be themselves and to talk about their body because breasts are just part of our body, right? I mean, it's just fat it's, tissue. Exactly. And it's, it's equivalent, to, equivalent to other parts of the body. So can you also say that showing off our toenails could also be, um, you know, as equally important as showing off breasts? Well, I mean, for some people... You know, yeah. that's a whole uh, other. Yeah, a whole, that's a other, whole other thing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, across culture. Yeah, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, generally, people think that um, women showing off their goods online, um, it's like immoral. But yes, I have to agree with you. It's a double standard because um, you know, men get to have a freedom of doing that. If you talk about breasts, then there are a lot of men also showing off their breasts, and you know, technically, no one bats an eye. Exactly. Yeah. So. I, I'm with you on that. And I think that's what we have to change. I mean, our generation has to change. And I'm hoping that through these online platforms, we could mainstream and have, you know, healthy conversations that these things should be normalized because we don't want to live in a society someday, let's say, even if you don't have children or let's say your nieces or nephews would live in a society where in, at a young age, they are taught that these things are bad and immoral when in fact those are just normal body anatomy so yeah i think to those who are listening we have to put that in mind that we're not just living for ourselves and there are people who are just confident on how they look and that doesn't necessarily mean that they get to be sexualized so don't feel badness we're in the philippines um put yourself somewhere else around the globe and it might be a better situation but you're here and i think there's a lot of work to be done for us to normalize um, sex or the conversations on sex and uh, HIV and AIDS and condom use. That's why Team Dogumbughau still exists. And I told my members every time we have an annual meeting that our, our work stops you know, if 
stigma does not exist in our community. Stigma towards people, people living with HIV, towards condom use, towards sex. And I think getting there is like decades and decades more of work. So prepare for that. And the only way to get there is to create more allies. And that's what we're doing in Team Nogobukao. So it's okay, Niz. You're, you're doing fine. Um, as long as you feel confident about your body and to a certain level that you feel that you're sex positive and you're willing to share to a few people, that's good enough. Because if you feel that putting yourself out there and talk about it on social media isn't safe, that's a valid, valid reason. And I think you're entitled to feel that. So, yun. <clears throat> on a lighter note. <laughs> yes, on a lighter note. On a lighter note, we've been talking about Twitter a lot. Like, we've been talking mm. about mm. social media, like Curious Cat, all of Instagram, all of these social media platforms a lot. And... Um, we mentioned that you specifically, you do have a, a, a platform on social media. And I wonder how you feel about that, considering the fact that as someone who went to college in Manila, who's been on both sides of the aisle, I do notice that there seems to be um, like a domination of social media and media in general by um, personalities and artists and content creators from Luzon. And so you, as someone who is relatively well-known in the medical community and social media in general, how do you feel about um, being a content creator from Visayas, from Iloilo, and then being beside this predominantly Luzon-led community? Um, in my in my in how I feel right now, I, I don't really consider myself as as big as as you you just described. But to to play the game, you know, because that's how you see it. Uh, I don't feel very much honored, but I love the feeling of representation. Like uh, I think ever since when it comes to schools per se, we always had this Luzon centric point mm-hmm. of view that the schools in Manila are relatively good or better than anywhere else in the Philippines. Or let's say um, business is better in Luzon than anywhere else in the country, or let's say Manila, per se. And I think um, there's a lot of reasons why that is. And I think um, it roots down to culture. Like all mm-hmm. of the things, the, the relevant things that have happened in our country happen in Luzon. All the, all the arrangement internationally, our head offices are there. And I think these are all factors why uh, we have that mentality. Now, going back to the social media world, I agree that it's dominantly Luzon people who are there. But um, I think times are changing, but not totally in a massive way. Like, uh, per se, we have a Twitter personality such as Davo Konya. She's, I mean, he's literally from Davao and then it says the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, he's making big waves on social media. Yes, he might be one out of the few no, who is from there or from there. But I think um, that's a good start that people are now recognizing that people from different regions can just do as, as, as equally good as those who are in Luzon, per se. So how do you feel about it? I'm just really happy that we get to have mm-hmm. representation and conversations. Actually, I didn't really aim to do that, Niz, just to share with you. I just, you know, siguro on the image of your podcast listeners, like, hala si Jap naman ito, napaka-sexual, puro lang sex yung ginagawa sa Twitter. So to inform other, uh, to our podcast listeners, on my downtime, I used to play ukulele songs on Twitter, post it there, and then, 
after a day, I would just be shocked that it would get uh, thousands likes, thousands of likes and retweets. But I did not really aim for it to be viral per se. It just did. And mm-hmm. if that's how uh, content creators do it, then siguro I'm doing it unconsciously. I'm just mm-hmm. really happy that um, I get to share my music and my content on social media. And it gives other people... I'm, I'm really happy seeing people um, quoting my, my, my song covers and saying, ah... Cleansing, uh, cleansing my timeline, or like um, happy, good vibes. Finally, so I just find it as a tool to be of help to others. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love most about this whole being part of the community is, is you get to create friends and conversations. Like per se, um, through that covers, no, na napapost ko sa Twitter, I became part of one of the fundraising. Uh, a fundraiser sang isang event na hashtag Bianca Cornelius. It was for the displaced um, GP drivers of Rizal. And I just played a song. And just imagine just posting a song cover on Twitter brought me there to create new friends in different regions. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's social media responsible use. Ano? And taking advantage of the connections and network that you could create. So, ayun, I'm really happy that someone from Visayas could, could actually be part of of that network. And I think to everyone else who, who are listening right now, I think the great thing that um, social media could offer us, it's, it's like a clean slate. You could be anyone on social media. You could be whoever you wish to be, as long as it's still you. For example, you think you're both a cook or a, and a singer. Then you could just choose one and let's say, okay, I'm going to showcase how I, how I cook, how I cook um, my own adobo or like my own sinigang and share it to the world. And, might as well create a community of people who are very enthusiastic in cooking and maybe you could get tips. So those things are the things I admire about social media above the things no, that could also be harmful. But I think as a person who is really positive and enthusiastic about things, I just view it as like that, as an avenue for us to create network. So, yun. Thank you so much, Jap, for guesting on the second episode of the Beyond the Books podcast. And thank you for giving us a listen. This is actually going to be a two-part episode because, like I mentioned earlier, Jap is an event host, and so am I. And when you put two events hosts together, we're probably going to talk for three hours. To make sure that you don't miss an episode, follow the Beyond the Books podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and Nisa Regalado on YouTube. Until next time... Take it easy and stay safe.